Welcome to the Pink Noise Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Ashley Gill. Pink noise is nature's ambient sound frequency. The waves crashing on the shore, a steady rainfall, or leaves rustling in the wind. It is the sweet spot between chaos and control. The world is awash with pink, so much so that our brain waves often sink to its frequency. In this podcast, we will explore this balance in humanity by learning from the stories of those who have navigated their own moments of chaos and control, stability and collapse. Learning the tools and techniques that have worked for them and what they discovered about themselves along the way. When we make space to allow others to share their soul, we can find the inspiration to heal our own. For we are all just a bunch of complex, interrelated organisms trying to find love, purpose, and worthiness. What can your story teach others? Hello, podcast people. This is my no- new <laughs> weird, quirky intro is getting excited about my podcast people. Um, anyways, I hope you guys are having a fabulous first week of August. It is Leo season, fiery, hot, energetic, going after stuff, enjoying the rest of summer. Very exciting. Um, I'm very excited for this episode. I almost didn't do a podcast this week just because I'm heading out of town and just had a lot of other work to get done. But... I pressed on and I'm so happy I did because I forgot how good this episode is. I recorded this episode in March. It is with my sister Chelsea who is my younger sister. She's in college now uh, her senior year at Columbia in Chicago and there's so many gems in here. She really is excellent at expressing difficult situations she's been through and being completely open and honest about what that looks like and what that did look like for her um, no matter how scary that may be to share and uh, how she kind of overcame it or got through it or what she learned from it and I think it's really helpful. I will preface that uh, for anyone that has dealt with eating disorder, body dysmorphia, Um, those sorts of issues I'm gonna say a trigger warning just because or who has like who has triggers of certain very serious bullying issues trigger warning Um, just because I know a lot of people are healing and in different processes so if you're actively going through that process and you're like "Eh, I don't know if I could really hear um, details of anything and it's nothing too anything too graphic but I just wanted to preface that just for be sensitive of anyone out there going through their own processes uh, because we do touch on those things as it pertains to Chelsea's experience uh, honestly via social media a lot so just want to put that out there but yeah there's a lot of great stuff we touch on this episode and she's just a really old soul in terms that she's just like beats to her own drum her own sort of creative and it's a really cool episode um and is the first one of the first real creative projects I've gotten to do with my sister hopefully there will be many many more uh once she moves to LA but this is the first one and it's near and dear to my heart um without further ado here is Chelsea Gill we're finally doing this episode of sisters technically this is my first 
podcast episode with my sister Chelsea. Um, even though this won't come out as the first episode, she is a junior at Columbia College in Chicago studying screenwriting and film. She is an astrology master and learning. Um, she's got that Scorpio blood in her. She is very creative, uh, very conscious, very aware, always diving deep in things, was writing like extremely profound, deep poetry when she was in like third grade. And I remember reading it and being like, who are you? Like, how did you realize this? Um, but she's super creative and super flowy and magical. And yes, I won't say any more. Here you go. Well, thank you, sister. Um, I definitely get a lot of my creative, flowy energy from you. Aww. You've always been such an inspiration to the left side of my brain. Oh, that's so Aww. sweet. Are we going to cry? I'm probably going to cry. I always cry. You're a Scorpio moon. You, you, yeah, I cry you, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, sure. You have an excuse to cry. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you are definitely my biggest motivator creatively growing up because we didn't have that figure to guide us in the creative world. And I never knew what I wanted to put my creative outlet into, like to make work and make money. And it was so stressful, like in high school, like trying to figure out what I was interested in besides writing that could make an actual profit. And it wasn't until you were out of college and working in the field that you wanted to that I was like, oh, fuck, I I can do it. Like, she can do it. I can do it. Like, that's kind of where we're meant to be. And I think we've always had this calling towards the West Coast to, like, um, be the place that's going to, like, nurture and, like, be the foundation for our big life extravaganza and that's so cool hearing that I could be that person for you like that's amazing and I'm definitely getting weepy okay so let's start at the beginning so what was growing up for you like like what was your experience because I mean even though we're literally grew up in the same town same house our whole life um we grew up at different phases and different times we obviously had different experiences so just to fill in for people who are, you know, tuning in from any which place, give us like a little bit of a background of what that growing up was like and what home life and everything else. So growing up in South Brunswick, New Jersey was... Um, Mouth Brunswick. Yeah, Mouth Brunswick. Even though we Explain had... Explain really quick what Mouth Brunswick meant. So Mouth Brunswick meant that despite... Uh, like your graduating class being of 600 plus people, everyone knew your business and just everyone loved to talk about everyone's sex lives and personal lives. It was just like... On display. Yeah, it was on display on social media, on Ask FM, just like all your shit thrown at you all the time, which was super fun. <laughs> um, but growing up, like... On the younger side of things, I always thought that South Brunswick was a great place, extremely diverse, just like so many different communities and nationalities of people. I I don't think I had like um, 
a quote-unquote best friend growing up. Mm -hmm. Now thinking about it, I definitely had people that I leaned towards or leaned to more than others, but not one, like, consistent person, maybe one consistent person, like, throughout middle school and up, but I always just kind of, like, drifted from friend group to friend group, lunch table to lunch table, like, no specific area really, like, embodied who I felt I was. Like, I wasn't, like, uh, like a jock or like fitness person like I wasn't really on teams like that I I guess that made things difficult I got bullied a lot kind of more so by like my friends or like <clears throat> people who I called my friends yeah totally they hurt the worst yeah yeah and <clears throat> it's like those people that you feel like most forgiving up to because you're like oh, this isn't, like, all that is to the relationship. You know, they have all these other positive qualities, but, like, when you're younger, it just, like, they don't, they didn't really have those qualities, but you like to think that they did because they made you feel part of something bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. What was some of the, like, what would be an example of some of the maybe bullying that you faced from friends? Like, I know for me, at least, it would be like people that I had in my friend group, but then if they were angry at me or something, like I remember one time someone made like a web page of like photos of me when I like was like in a heavy stage or something when I was younger and they're like, Jess Gill's not so hot, huh? Or so, something like that. And it was very subliminal and they wouldn't really admit to it, but it was like pretty clear who it was. Um, but then the veil would change and then when they weren't so bothered or triggered they were like friendly again definitely i think people had um that kind of what was that word you said that love the like um temperamental no 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 it had a intermittent love oh intermittent Mm -hmm. yeah and it always depended on how um that friend felt at the time I think the examples of the friend bullying that like sticks out to me the most would be I had an ask fm Mm -hmm. from maybe eighth grade to freshman year and then explain to us what an ask fm is because this was not my generation at all I remember hearing that you were on it and I Mm -hmm. remember you showed me some stuff and I was horrified so that's a relatively newer thing, so kind of explain what that is. So Ask FM is like this website where you can post comments and whatever, or it's supposed to be questions anonymously, so it's kind of like you're putting yourself out there for the worst and whatever of people. Most girls would get things like, oh, like you're so sexy, like I want to fuck, or like stuff about their sex lives um or just like compliments or adoration from people in school but when I created mine I barely got any of any positive feedback from it and it was more so focused on like my weight and my appearance like you're fat you're ugly and then it escalated like in a very quick phase to being like kill yourself like every day wow and that was something that I didn't know how to deal with because I was like kind of embarrassed by it that people didn't like me and I didn't want to tell your mom about it at the time because then the immediate thing would be like just get off of it you know and that's like the easy thing to do um if something's bringing you negative energy to just get off of it and not be attached to it but 
it's so hard when you need that validation from people your age and then oh this like breaks my heart hearing this like I knew it was bad but I didn't realize like how gnarly it really was on there um what age range was this around you said sixth grade this was eighth grade to freshman year right after I had my little glow up phase kind of so I think (laughs) this was like the most confident I felt so I think that's why people really started going in after me like I got my braces off I lost a little bit of weight and people felt threatened by that Uh. and that's something I didn't see at the time um I thought it was just people hated me that's horrible that like breaks my heart I I feel like that's a really common thing though I feel like it happens a lot I feel like I've felt it most intense definitely through high school it's like you're um struggling so hard to like find any source of validation in high school it can get pretty as you said gnarly other examples of the bullying that kind of all happened at the same time um amongst like my friend group of like four or five girls who I was very, very close with, like, hang out with all the time, like, got drunk with the first time. They began, like, or they had already had this, like, subtweet going on about a whale emoji. And, like, I always had felt that it was me. Um, And it was on Twitter for the most part, but also through, like, group messages. Um, And then they had, like, multiple of them had tweeted about it. And just, like, I don't remember the direct things, but just, like, saying shit and, like, how, like, I need, like, that, like, like, I'm so spoiled and, like, there's no point in me wearing yoga pants if I have no ass, like, that type of thing. And then the realization that it was, like, about me and, like, it coming from, like, those friends who, like, were also texting me at the same time being, like, let's hang out later was just very confusing to understand what people like thought about me genuinely because I think it was like so easy for people to have this persona online of like this like tough exterior and like such like harsh opinions but in person like they still needed me and they still loved my presence and whatever you know they still genuinely thought I was a good friend but it was just like this whole front that they needed to push out to like belittle me Another experience I had uh, freshman year of high school, I began just like it, it. It's been an ongoing struggle of life with like body dysmorphia and just like poor self image issues. Yeah. So like a lot of women. Yeah, like like everyone had these issues, but like no one really wants to like admit to being not confident because that's not sexy a lot of people are not confident a lot of the times and uh when they own the fact of it then it can become sexy yeah i love the way you put that um so freshman year i made this instagram account on private it was called thigh gap oh god so it was basically just an account for me to follow other pro anna pro mia pro thinspiration accounts for the people who like for example my at least my generation or what i knew of like that wasn't an outlet or somewhere where we could go so like if we wanted to look at like ideal body types and images we cut out pictures of victoria's secret models and pin them on the wall so you grew up in a little bit more of a digital space where all this stuff was like mood boarded through pinterest or tumblr or whatever so explain what those things are. So the community of like the pro inspiration, pro Anna, pro Mia, that means like 
pro-anorexia, pro-bulimia, like, um, it was like a community of girls with, girls and guys with eating disorders, um, posting, like, their current weight, like, their goal weight, um, and it would normally be either on, like, an Instagram account or a Tumblr account, and they would, like, either post images of themselves or post images of what they wanted to look like, Mm. and, uh people would encourage each other to not eat to go on these fasts together um like diet tips were shared and as the years gone on it uh tumblr and instagram regulated things more so and things have been deleted how how quickly were these things deleted like how long between the time that you were on the account until like like because tumblr just got rid of naked images or whatever it may be uh when did they start regulating that stuff well, they started um, when you would search on Tumblr or Instagram, they would be like, do you need help? And that was like something that... Amazing. That's um, good. Yeah, it's really good. But it's something that popped up while I was in the community. So it wasn't always there. And I mean, even now, those like images are still out there. They're just a little bit harder to search for. Mm. So I created the Instagram account. It was like thigh underscore underscore gap. Mm-hmm. And... I didn't post any pictures of myself. I had posted, and this was all private, but I had posted pictures of, like, legs that I wanted to have or, like, um, just, like, other girls' bodies that I wanted to have. And then I would have these really depressing captions of, like, um, just, like, like, it was, like, almost like a journal to myself. Like, I didn't really look to have followers or anything like that. It was more for me to follow other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was actually this one girl who came across my account somehow and, like, tried to, like, be very helpful and be like, you don't need this. Like, I struggled, like, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I still follow this girl today and she has a baby now and she's doing amazing. Oh, so cool. But, um, what had happened was, (laughs) I remember the day, like, so specifically, I was in the gym, probably with you, Mm -hmm. um, like the gym, like the workout gym. Yes. Okay. And I was like on the account and I think I accidentally clicked something that was like connect to your Facebook account. <gasps> so you know how Instagram sends that like your friend on Facebook is now on Instagram as Thigh <gasps> And that's all they could see. There was no pictures. There was nothing in the bio. It just was Thigh Gap. And people started screenshotting it and messaging me and being like, what is this? Ha ha ha. Like boys didn't understand. They were just a little confused. And then um, the real negative um, outcome I had of this was this one girl who had always had like the perfect body in my mind. And like she did have like her own eating disorder problems as well. But she finds me in school the next day in gym class and this girl was, like, your dream body at the time. Yes. And I had barely ever spoken to this girl. Like, I think she commented on a Facebook photo of me once. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, yeah. she thinks I'm, like, pretty. Yeah. Pulls me aside in gym class and is like, Chelsea, you know you don't have an eating disorder, right? And I was like, yeah. Like, it was just, like, as motivation to work out or whatever. And she was like, it's embarrassing that you have that account. Like, you should delete it. Um, and that was like, it was a very like one-on-one conversation, but in a very public setting, it was super uncomfortable to hear. 
And I was like, oh, she's right. Like, there's no way I can have an eating disorder. I'm like overweight, even though I was healthy. I thought I was overweight. Yeah. Um. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm like breaking. It's <laughs> I don't have any negative energy towards her right now. We are both children. Um. Yeah. And well, she was obviously suffering as well. Yeah. For her to even say that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like someone says that now, I think we're both at a mindset of like, oh, wow, you must be really hurting. Yeah. So I just felt like, and this was a girl that I later became close friends with. So it was just a very, I don't know, I felt very invalidated in my eating disorder that oh. I had at the time. So I never talked about it with anyone else. I was like, okay, I'm just going to delete the account, close it at, like... Is that when you finally kind of came to the realization that you wanted to get off the account? Like, were you done with all of those sort of, like, pro-anorexia accounts at that point? I definitely was not done with all the accounts. Um, I'm more so gravitated towards Tumblr, so I could, like, look at it more freely. I didn't have people really following me on there. Mm-hmm. And on Tumblr, you could even just reblog pictures of models and, like, that was enough. You know, like, all these just, like, skinny, skinny girls. And, like, it was more acceptable to share that content. Um, so, I don't know. I think I've – I still struggle with looking at images of other women and, what I, and um, like, the inspiration images. But you're not necessarily in, like, a pro in our No, no, no. I'm – not in the community at all um but it definitely is very like triggering to my mind to see images that like mirror what i would look what i would look at at the time like now yeah and that's a big reason that i had to get off social media yeah talk about that talk about such so chelsea's officially been off social media which is like an incredible like i've seen a huge transformation in you because whenever we'd connect because we're usually living in very different cities um whenever we'd come home for the holidays or be able to see each other she would be very very glued to her phone constantly checking looking whatever um and i thought it was a generational thing but it was also very obvious and i'm guilty of the same thing but when we're looking on there for too long it's almost like we're looking for trouble like at a certain point you've got your fill of like motivating content or interesting stuff or checking up with your friends and now you're just on there and you're gonna you're like almost looking to hurt your feelings and um you feel like shit after and I would notice like when you're you were on for like a super long time just checking on your phone while we're all hanging out you would immediately be in like a sad demeanor and like go to your room and want alone time or whatever so how did you finally kick the habit and like get off social media so it's definitely been a process getting off social media um it began with like deleting the apps and whatnot um but then that was always like i would re-download them to like see something or to like someone's photo like a friend because they told me to um and then i could always still go on on my computer for the most part it really sunk into me when i saw how much time i was spending on these apps Mm. i'm realizing that like all my time that i could be putting into myself and growing and like doing creative things or doing schoolwork um was just being put into like breaking my neck over my phone and my body was physically ill from it the whole thing began with unfollowing accounts unfollowing all these models i don't know promoting their fitness lifestyle and whatever just because i didn't look like those women and i would never look like those women and i had to accept that within myself that i didn't have the bone structure 
to have a thigh gap, you know, and that was okay. So I just had to accept that these images that I was uh, suffocating my mind with that I would not ever look like these women. And I had to accept that that was okay within myself and that there are other women who do have similar body types to me. And like I went to follow accounts like that. Amazing. Um, But even with that, I think I was still very much shook by the confidence that these women had to post photos. And I didn't have that. So I kind of had this weird um, moment of me just going over my actual Instagram feed and my pictures on Twitter, and I was like, I don't know who this girl is in these photos. Because even in high school, even when I was like at my happiest size and like I was fine, I was pretty, I would still edit the fuck out of all my photos using apps to make my teeth whiter to make my face smaller to get rid of my acne so all these pictures of me just didn't look like me and I felt like I was I don't know like I just didn't want this image of myself out there I didn't like that yeah so I tweaked image of yourself yeah because it was causing this weird dysphoria within me being like okay did I look like that can I look like that again Mm. um so I just had to delete them all, like not even screenshot them to keep them for memory's sake. I just had felt no attachment to the images and they didn't serve me any greater purpose anymore. So amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was difficult. It's not something that's easy to do because you're like, oh, but this photo got so many likes. And I remember how great I felt with all these comments with this one photo. But then you just have to think about where you are now with yourself and that those things don't mean anything to who you are now. So after I I did that, I also kind of, I changed my name on Instagram because I didn't delete my Instagram account because I do see a positive purpose for Instagram in sharing your content and sharing your media with friends. Even though I think like the standards of Instagram changing is kind of fucked now where people don't really see your content unless it's liked and yada yada. I changed my name to... I don't even want to say it because it's not important to follow. Um, (laughs) And I just felt like I didn't feel this obligation to post anymore. And that felt so freeing that like I didn't have to share what song I was listening to every day. I didn't have to take photos of me like when I or take photos of myself or other people to validate experiences. I wanted to enjoy the experiences for myself more. And I think that's something I've always struggled with, with taking photos and taking videos of memories that I'd rather just have for myself versus other people um so I think a big part of it just came with like learning to like live for myself okay I just want to take a moment and like congratulate you because I think that is such a difficult thing to do and I think people of any generation right now like really struggle with that and struggle with that um for their career, for their lifestyle, for their validation and really pulling the trigger and being free of that. And like I've noticed a massive difference in you having changed that. And even your presence when you're around people, you're more engaged, you're more like go with the flow, you're not super um, stressed or anything else. Whereas like it's it's an inspiration to me to see that because I, you know, flip flop up and down with social media all the time where I was at the same place where I was following a bunch of models and like all these women that I like was like oh I want to see like what they're doing to look like this or what they're doing to do that what their fitness routine is what they're eating like what what are they wearing you know all these things so I can start to see that as like 
you know, body expanders or whatever. And it just made me feel horrible. Like it literally destroyed my self-confidence. I didn't feel okay in the body shape and type that I was. Um, It just wasn't healthy. And, you know, everyone, if you feel empowered by sharing pictures of your body online, then go for it. That's amazing. But we all just need to be, and I'm not saying not to follow these models or accounts or whatever, but you have to see what rings authentic to you. And if following these accounts is not just, oh, I appreciate that and move on. If it's, I appreciate that and I want to be like that and now I feel bad about myself, that's the time when you have to really cut it out. Um, and I did a purge. I did a massive purge and I, I wrote down every single model's account name just in case I forgot them and wanted to refollow. And it's been like two and a half, three years now and I haven't refollowed any of them. So that was a huge lift. That was a huge transformation, huge change. And then I started filling the feed uh, back up with spiritual and more awareness and and self-motivating and people that were trying to better their lives and better their mindset, really, um, in any way possible. And now I'm like, oh, I can't wait to go on because now I feel like there's like this kismet message that drops in on me every time I open it. I still am on too much, probably. But I have a time limit of no longer than an hour a day. Um, And yeah, like now I feel what I do see on there. I'm like, oh, I was meant to read that and that felt really good. And I'm empowered by that. But it's such a balance. Because if you go overboard, then you feel bad that you're not creating more of that content or whatever it may be on there. I think it most definitely is a balance. And I think your progress and your journey has been so beautiful and inspirational for me to watch because I don't think I would have ever um had even the idea to like unfollow and get into this mindset if I hadn't seen you putting two and two together for me and being like oh this isn't healthy I can make better use of my time and I think that's um something so important that you have to think about with social media it's like your time is so valuable to yourself and if you're not spending enough time like loving yourself and creating positive experiences and working in your art form or whatever type of work you do you just feel shitty about yourself if you don't get those things done and I think also through my phone telling me you spent seven hours today on social networking sites I'm just like okay that's that's way too much yeah I really appreciate you being honest and sharing that number because I think a lot of us are like we like we have access to that right now we have access to see how long we're on our phones we can monitor how long that is and um people are on there way more than they like to admit and they're embarrassed to admit. So I think that's going to be really like expansive for other people to like hear that number and then have to face the fact of like what they're actually doing and how much time. And even if your number isn't seven hours, even if your number is like one hour, that's one hour of your day every single day that you could be dedicated towards something that is bettering you. So if you being on the app is not bettering you in any way, and not just Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Facebook, 
I don't know, Snapchat. Like, if it's not bettering your life and advancing your life, you really have to question, like, why am I doing this? I'm actively, I'm an active participant in making my life worse by choosing to do this every day. And when you go on these long binges of social media, like, even if it's, like, something like Tinder, which is was a huge thing for me, it's just this endless scroll for validation and for some type of greatness that you're never gonna find on your phone it's just not possible it's not there what were some of the tools maybe that you kind of supplemented in that time frame like when you take seven hours out of your day you got a lot of time left so what were some of the things that you kind of filled that space with I started deleting all my my apps and whatever over the summer of 2018 we're in 2019 now yeah okay um summer 2018 I just kind of started this whole shift in like who I was in self-discovery so I would fill those hours that I spent on social media um either spending time with actual people either just like talking to them or making art with them and like bettering friendships that like I had been putting on the back burner because I had been so obsessed in this inside world in my phone. Also, uh, running and like working out, doing yoga, journaling more, just like all self-help things. I wanted to, I wanted to fill that time back up with because I just saw that I was so unconfident within myself still over the past summer so instead of seeking the validation from others and social media I needed to find it from myself and I found that through the self-help methods that I've been discovering and it's like it hasn't been easy like I definitely re-downloaded the apps multiple times for like longer than like I should have and I've had moments where like I still stayed up all night like on my phone endlessly like scrolling through tinder to like find someone or just to feel something but then once I started channeling that energy into feeling more tangible sources of those of validation that's when I started finding happiness and that's when I started becoming okay with not being on it and I didn't have that FOMO or fear of missing out anymore. A lot of getting over these really difficult situations is having the tools to turn to when that ping inside like when that ping inside comes up in you because it's not like you doubt you delete all the apps and you're like, cool, I never thought about it again. Life is super great. Like it that call to go on there and feed yourself that content is still there. All of those desires and urges are still 100% there. It's how you choose to reprogram that pattern and that habit and what you decide to fill it back up with. So it's kind of like you want to collect a massive toolbox of cool, when I have this emotion, I'm going to allow this to come up. When I have this emotion, I'll, I'll turn to this tool to kind of help me. And sometimes it's the same tool over and over again, whether that's a meditation or journaling. And sometimes it's cool, meditations aren't, I'm not really able to drop in on meditations right now. Uh, it's more helpful if I go outside and be active or sit in the sun for 20 minutes. Some of the tools in my toolbox a lot of them pertain to being outside, and that can be very difficult in the winter months, as I found. Oh, yeah, because um, talk about you live in Chicago. Yeah, so I live in Chicago. The Windy City is no joke, dude. The, 
it can be a beautiful day but still feel so frigid with the wind and I think everyone experiences uh, seasonal depression to some degree as we are spending less time out in the sun and less time in nature and being rooted in the earth so it can be hard during those colder months but more geared towards the warmer months it would be just laying on my deck writing poetry reading poetry editing photos is something if I really felt I had to be on my phone that was something that I felt not so bad about doing I felt that it was still me being artistic and then I didn't feel the need to post those photos I just had an appreciation for them love that um and I think something I've been working on since last summer has been the idea of like minimizing all of like my belongings and my space to be somewhere that I truly feel at home. Mm. So this has come through with uh, just getting rid of old products I don't need, getting rid of clothes that don't serve me happiness anymore, and donating them, keeping things organized and clean in my apartment so that I can come back to it and feel okay and feel at home. So I think when we have a very very much a space that's clean and of our own it's easier to create and live and breathe in it and that's something I've really been working towards um, over the past year another thing to fill my time with just a tool in your toolbox like something that you like lean on when you're looking for that extra I mean something I do all the time is just put headphones on and like dance in my apartment like no matter what time of day it is like even if it's like 3 a.m like no regard for the neighbors below us (laughs) um just dancing and getting energy out so I feel like I don't know dancing brings me such joy yeah um and that's something I've been able to go back to over the past year that I kind of separated myself from because I don't know after I gained weight in college I just felt like I wasn't a dancer anymore so I wouldn't do anything hmm. so definitely just like finding roots in what makes me the happiest do you feel like you're able to tap into your sense of self and intuition because if we go back and like if you look at like how you internalized even your friendships you know that you're like friendships that were toxic in high school and, and middle school um, who were kind of yo-yoing you on both sides they weren't really treating with your, you with respect and then you have this like Ask FM, which is really just like bullying and, and hitting on all these things that you should change and not be. Um, do you feel like you're finally at a place where you're starting to trust who you authentically are and find that person? I think I most definitely am. I don't feel any ties to please other people anymore. Amazing. And I think um, a big part to this change was embarking on this journey as like a single... 20 year old you know yeah um I had been you were in relationships a yeah lot. yeah I what's today's date is today the 27th it is wow I've been single for one year wow wow, wow. that's that <laughs> it means a lot to me because um from the time I was 16 uh 16 I was in like over a year and a half relationship when a few months in between got back into another heavy relationship that lasted two years. And I feel like those are the years and like these are the years that I'm still on now that is so important to grow as an individual and to find out who I am and to live for myself. Totally. 
being single helped me realize um like the role that social media had over me like the power it had over me because I would always be on my phone just like checking like activity feeds and likes of like my past boyfriends and it was just this toxic environment and just like being on it in any shape or form just reminded me of like always feeling the need to check up on other people yeah and I feel like it's so easy to fall into those pit holes and that's something that for future relationships I don't want to be a part of like I don't I don't want to be on social media so I I can't do that anymore because it's just so toxic and unhealthy for relationships and it's like we're just like the guinea pigs like you and I for yeah uh, social media and the for social media yeah and the trauma it makes and like all the problems it creates within these relationships that we build with other people because we don't know how we're supposed to be acting we don't know Mm -hmm. the long-term effects that social media has on these relationships because our relationships have only lasted so many years and like we're still in this battle with social media for it i think by being able to detach from it i just see more clearly like the path that i really want to follow and what it looks like for me i almost feel like confident enough to say that I don't think like I even need like tinder dating apps like that to find someone even though I've had like really great experiences and like really great people I've met off of there I feel like if something is meant to happen it will happen and it'll happen in real life time totally yeah and I mean I think I've, I've listened to a lot of different people relationships experts speak on kind of dating apps in general and like should you be off them should you be on them should it be in person whatever And I think it's unique to each individual. Um, I think if you're going on and you're listening to your gut and you're really following and keeping a strict mind of like what you deserve and what's worthy of you and what you're looking for a partner, you can be open to it and you can sync up and find someone that's like perfect for you. Mm -hmm. But I don't think anyone needs it in order to find someone today. I think... It's really just about being in the right space in order to being okay with yourself and your worth and what you really um, embodying what you crave in a partner, I think mm-hmm. is huge. Like when you're searching for a partner to be all these things, if you look inside and you're like, cool, how can I be that for myself more? Someone comes along mm-hmm. way sooner. Um, and that could be through a social app or that could be in real life. And if you are in your gut, like, I feel like I'm going to meet this person in real life, then you have to follow that intuition and that, like, ping to go seek that. I think that's also something I've really come into, like, following my own intuition because I think I've always felt that I had this, like, deeper connection to understanding other people. I think that comes with being an empath and being a water sign. Yeah. But I think more so like allowing myself to follow these like pings of intuition has been really freeing for me yeah um because it just shows that like i'm trusting myself more and like instead of being fearful of like negative outcomes i'm just more so willing to like lay myself out there if i think someone or something is worthy of my worth totally love Um, that it's 
been it's just come so much clearly to me like what I want in yeah. a partner and more so in myself first because totally. I think if you're not in that space with yourself first you can't even be looking yeah for whatever yeah and I think it's also um like when you spend so much time looking through these apps or through whatever means like it's harder to find these genuine connections with people because you're always putting on these roles for them of mm-hmm. like, like what you need them to be for you and then they can't be their actual self. Yeah. And that's totally unfair to other people, but it's just something that is so easy for us to do. I think I was putting a lot of my worth into like my sexual identity and being more comfortable with myself because mm-hmm. I was at this place where like I had just recently talked about being um, bisexual or what whatever term you want to put on it I don't like to specify whatever I like people for people yes um, I love that and that's, I was, that's also hugely expansive too like just coming to terms with the fact that you don't have to fit into one terminology or one um label like you can be free to explore at different points in different times into for different aspects of yourself and be like yes this is all encompassing of who I am and I think that's awesome and really inspiring to people yeah it's been super just freeing for myself just like knowing that like it's like I always felt this like shame that I had towards liking girls because like in school like I don't know maybe it was because I just had like short blonde hair for a while like people would always just call me like a lesbian or like Hmm. Yeah, it, it was weird. I got bullied for being gay before I knew I was gay. Weird. So it was kind of like, it's super closeted me. Yeah. Um, And. Oh, that's so exciting and magical, though, that you could bring it out. Yeah, and I think dating apps definitely helped with that confidence. Because yeah. I was like, I don't even know how to talk to girls in that matter. Like, I was great at having girls that were friends, but, like, expressing interest beyond that, I, I struggled with. Yeah. So I think dating apps definitely helped me just, like, grow confident in my sexuality. I mean, I've definitely had my fair share of, like, heartbreak over it. Right. Because I'm still finding that, like, not everyone has the best intentions. Mm-hmm. But I've – I think I've – use that to my benefit as like working through and being like okay so and so like doesn't want to be with me or can't be honest with me but what can I control in this situation that's always myself and my reactions and how I feel about that that. so always going back to like the things I can control and that even comes down to like cutting yourself off from these people that don't serve a greater purpose for you anymore I think that's been such a struggle of mine throughout the years like just being like this caretaker for people and like loving that aspect of me but um sometimes falling short of seeing how it affects me like gotten so much stronger in uh setting clear guardrails for myself and just knowing like where my respect should be and like Mm -hmm. where what I should be deserving from other people especially if I'm giving kind of this all loving energy yeah and I think I had this one brief, like, not obviously not a relationship, but this encounter with mm-hmm. a person who uh, just made me cry every day. And mm. it just, I was, like, feeling like I was back in high school, and I was like, why am I letting myself be controlled like this? Like, literally dictating my mood. Like, I just came to this point where I was like, no, like, I, I can't do it anymore. So I had to cut that tie with that person. And while that was hard for that person, it felt so good. Yeah. 
And I think from like that point on, I was able to um, remove myself more quickly in those situations when I saw them going downhill. Love it. And there's nothing wrong with having boundaries with yourself against other no, people. Like it's it's so healthy and it's something I should have spent a long time working on in high school as like, cause I, I always knew that like I needed stricter boundaries when it came to other people. Yeah, and let me just say, like, boundaries are such a huge aspect. That's something that I've been incorporating more and more and more in my relationship as well. And it's just, it's something that if you would have told me, I don't know, like five years ago, you know, you need better boundaries in your relationship. You need to assert better boundaries. Your partner needs to assert better boundaries, whatever. Even more than five years. Whatever. Long time ago. Um, I would have been so fearful that, oh my gosh, more boundaries means that we're drifting apart. And that's so, so, so not the case. Boundaries literally means you can take care of yourself and your needs fully, and it actually brings both people together. Definitely. I think the strongest relationships come from when you're respecting yourself the most. Yep. And even if it seems like you might be pushing someone away, if that person has enough respect for um, themselves and like understanding of like a healthy relationship with each other and yourself like they're very accepting yeah. of that space that you need yeah and people that aren't just aren't meant to be in your yep. close circle 100 percent. you have such great friends in your life right now like really supportive incredible people in your life and i feel like it's really expansive to tell people um where how you got the confidence to break free from those friendships that weren't serving you anymore similarly to relationships and how did you evolve and grow because I know some people are like oh I'm I'm friends with these group of people and they do bully me sometimes and they do put me down and they don't light me up but like they're the only people I know so what do I do so how did you kind of move out of those situations well, honestly, I think I kind of had a uh, easier, me- like an easier way out of these relationships because I left New Jersey and I came out to Chicago that I wasn't directly surrounded by this small group anymore. Mm. But even so, when I would come home, they would message me and be like, "Oh, like I miss you. Like let's get together, whatnot." Even if we hadn't talked for a very long time, and I'm. I'm very much a believer that people can change and grow in their own time period. So I did give a few of the friends who weren't great friends to me in high school kind of second and third chances through like my coming back and like seeing them. Mm -hmm. But then also uh, I was finally able to truly separate from them when I was just struck with this realization that like, oh, I'm this whole grown, developed person. Mm -hmm. I've changed X, Y, Z, like, and they're still the same person that they were in high school. And um, not that I shame them for not growing because it's – everyone has their own process with growing, but realizing that, like, who they were – who they are and who they were just, like, still doesn't serve me any greater purpose. And – Honestly, most of the friendships that I had that I always circled back to um, when I would come home would be, would like revolve around like smoking or drinking. Mm -hmm. And that's been something I've been trying to like 
minimize a lot for myself because I feel like I shouldn't feel the need to be fucked up to be around people that I love and to have great conversation and to laugh. Yeah. Um, so I think seeing the difference in my growth to their growth and being able to respect myself enough to just not give any time to them because I, w- I wouldn't be home for very long periods of time, but yeah. still I would feel this obligation to hang out with these friends. I- it just had to do with a lot of like reflection on my self-worth. Yeah. And seeing that it's okay that we're in different places, but I don't feel any obligation to spend any time with them. Yeah. And it's it's still hard because I still do care about these people because they're people who have shaped me. Right. And I'm really only close friends with one person who was, like, out of that group of bully to me. And she's done a tremendous amount of growth within herself and Maybe. like just like more opening up to her vulnerable self she's also a scorpio she knows who she is um <laughs> but she was like she's i've only really had one friend like throughout sixth grade to now that i still like love and cherish and talk to as often as like I always did and she was maybe even one of the worst bullies to me Hmm. but like now we're able to reflect on that and she's able to see that and like the wrong she caused me and like how that affected me and her being able to see that and apologize for that was so healing for me yeah because I never got that from any of my other friends because it was always kind of a thing that like they didn't admit to or like we're not really bullying you, Chelsea. Like, we love you, but, like, we're just, like, having fun. We're being mean. You just have to allow time for people to grow. And if who they are now isn't on par with who you are, then it's it's more easy to cut them off, even though it's hard. But you just have to see that that's what's meant to happen. And because I like to be a people pleaser, you know? I like yeah. to make other people happy, like... Even if it meant sacrificing who I was. Yeah. I just didn't see the worth in that anymore to sacrifice myself for them. And I think you said something else that really struck me was, um, why should I need to be fucked up in order to have a good time and a fun time with the people that I'm supposedly love and best friends with? And I think that was a huge thing for me with having a bunch of college friends move all into New York around the same time our social life revolved around going out and drinking every chance we could and coming to the realization that it's like well if these are my true friends that are supporting me and lighting me up and and guiding me in my life why do I need to be drunk around them all the time why do I need to feel the need to um yeah have this this barrier this wall that I put up through you know stimulation of other stuff and I think that was a big growth point for me which you've hit much earlier in your life of just cool I'm gonna step away from this lifestyle and if they you know are a true friend and are supposed to be a part of my life right now they'll we'll still connect and if not cool I still support them they're awesome do whatever you're gonna do but uh I don't feel guilty for not connecting you know with a party friend for example Yeah, I think um, kind of being more comfortable with my sober self is has been like this huge beneficial part to my journey. Yeah, because I faced uh, addictions of 
means of other things and just always feeling like in order to be that funny best self I had to be high yeah or drunk mostly high not drunk drunk me wasn't always that great <laughs> um we have great genes for hangovers yes the not. worst hangovers um but I think it because coming home would always be like oh you're home like let's go on an L ride let's mm-hmm. whatever because like we're just turning 21 now so it's like that whole drinking going out life isn't fully tits fruition yet yeah but even with the smoking I would be like I would just say hey like I'll come along and hang out with you guys sure but I'm not gonna smoke mm-hmm. and with some people that would turn them off it would turn them to be like oh she thinks she's like too good to smoke New Jersey weed or something now oh, or like interesting or like um oh like that's like not gonna be fun like if you're the only like sober one and like some people would kind of pressure me into like or like try to pressure me into conforming to smoking but it was more so in my control and with the people that I wanted to be with not just in order to hang out with them this was what we were doing it's like we're hanging out do you want to smoke type of thing Mm -hmm. um so it became less of an obligation I felt because I always felt in high school that like we didn't have a good time unless we had like an eighth of weed on us you know and like sometimes I felt that obligation to be that like caretaker person that would provide it for everyone you know Mm -hmm. and that really made me doubt myself as a person in high school and made me doubt that like I wasn't worth like worth more than like what I could offer so I think by putting these boundaries up of like where I'm comfortable with in my sobriety has just greatly like boosted my self-confidence yeah and I think that's something that's so important to people uh, for people and youth like just growing up like knowing that it's okay to say no and like if people judge you for saying no about that then like they're not really your friends yeah or or they have their own stuff to work on that's it's a reflection of them if they're unhappy with you trying to do something to better yourself yeah and I think you need to uh stick with those people who admire you for doing what makes you feel like your best self because Mm -hmm. those people are the people that are meant to be in your close circle okay and so what do you have going on looking forward what do you have happening in the future that maybe people can look out for or if people have questions and want advice or they're going through similar themes that you're going through um what's either a a way they can connect you and reach you and talk to you and then also what can they look for like what are you excited about to come out with next I don't know I'll have to think about some type of platform to connect to me with I feel like I feel like I could just have an email or something like that if someone really wanted to um let me throw one of my emails out uh is cchells12 at gmail.com s-e-a-c-h-e-l-l-s 12 at gmail.com if you want to talk to me you can email me there old-fashioned yes modern old-fashioned um (laughs) it's not aol no it's not my aol i do still have an aol (laughs) That I've had for too long. Um, but my Gmail. You can, hit me, you can hit me there. Yeah. Um, and maybe I'll resurface on social media over the next year or whatever time. Yeah, but you're following your intuition right now. And yeah. Yeah. Um, Love that. 
So as far for me for the future, I've I have this um, script that I've been working on for a few months now. I've been conceptualizing for almost a year. Awesome. And it'll be a feature length, and it's kind of about me and also all the other women and people and our experiences with social media at, in terms of addiction and how it can really just like deteriorate deteriorate us and pull us apart and ruin relationships so it's kind of like me fleshing out a lot of trauma that I had and like putting it into words which has been super therapeutic for me yeah I mean it's kind of at times it's pushed me in these weird head spaces but they're spaces that I feel like I need to go to yeah so I really am hoping to kind of like finish and fine tune that script this year and I don't know I don't know how I'm gonna wind up making any of my content but I want people to experience it and have it for themselves Mm -hmm. so definitely finding ways to put my script out there along with other projects I'm working on I'm looking to reshoot a short horror film that I made into making it like a longer feature Mm -hmm. and that's called Queen Bitch love Um, it I don't know I write a lot almost everything based off of like real experience I've had like real conversations like sometimes I'll be that rude person to pull out my phone and write down word for word what someone just said because I think it's so brilliant and so on the nose of just a reflection of who we are like in this modern age like trying to survive amongst social media and amongst all these norms that we feel obligated to fulfill I don't know man I don't know how I'm gonna market myself because I feel so anti-marketing myself yeah so it's definitely the struggle but if this is the industry I want to be in I just have to kind of own up and face that and be like this is who I am this is what I'm making like yeah here it is yeah I think it's also an interesting time now too because I think a lot of people a lot of artists really struggle with the marketing aspect and really feels disingenuous and feels false and it's like shouldn't the work just speak for itself and I feel like that all the time constantly and I have to fight against that internal like oh god this is salesy what am I doing I mean even with the podcast like I'm sure I'm gonna put some stuff up and and video content and things I think are cool but um yeah that's a balance too like you can't go overboard and and push something that's not true and authentic to you but at the same time if you don't tell anybody it's there for them to consume how are they gonna heal from your work so um yeah it's an it's an ongoing balance and ebb and flow in that and yeah yeah I love the way you put that because it is just this ongoing balance of trying to figure out like how to make your dreams and your work come to life, you know? Totally. And I think we share this vision of wanting to be very healing people through our art, you know? We want to help other people. It's not like like we're doing all this for fame and fortune, you know? That's not something that's ever been, at least for me, like a clear driving factor. Like my driving factor has always been like having other people feel validated and having Mm -hmm. people being able to connect with one another and I think that connection is just like so much more fulfilling to me than any amount of money or profit or fame that like my name could get you know I definitely think that 
huge expander for me throughout time and time again has been Lord. Mm, yes. You guys know who Lord is. Um, <laughs> if you don't, uh, she started putting out work when she was 16. She made her first debut album completely like all written by herself she was so heavily involved in the production of pure heroin so many grammy nominations and wins she's just this huge inspiration for me creatively mostly through like her writings yeah because her writings are so poetic and kind of like out there to the point where like it might not be a catchy song mm-hmm. but it makes you feel something totally and that and the feeling she's always given me has been something that I would want to make with my work. Yeah. She's just, she's also just this, this huge, bright ball, like, of energy and light to, like, so many people, like, in interviews and from videos of people meeting her. Like, she's just, just this brilliantly positive person who is so touched and humbled when mm. people tell her that they appreciate her work and... I think she's just, like, such a real person. Yeah. And that she doesn't let the Hollywood industry or, like, any type of norm confine her to, like, what she is. Yeah. From her, even, like, from her appearance and, or, yeah. yeah. Like, she's not this perfectly beautiful whatever. She had, her skin has gotten so amazing. I, like, have definitely been following Lord's skin (laughs) for years. (laughs) Because she used to have acne. And she would post about... Here's a photo of me someone else posted of it edited or whatever. Here's what I really looked like. I think both are beautiful. That's amazing. And her, like, body positivity and just, like, her overall love she has for people has been so inspiring to me. And her just determination and, like, just the way that she only puts out content that she feels fully, like, embodies her most authentic self, yeah. you know? Because... Uh, I feel like artists feel this constant need to put out mm-hmm. album after album, track after track, feature after feature, and she 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 went what uh, four or five years between both her freshman and sophomore album. Yeah, and they're both just so beautiful from beginning to start. Like it's it's just mind boggling to me that she is so grown to see that um she doesn't need to conform to these other industry standards of putting on music and she doesn't need to over market herself you know she's not being pushed down the throats of people you know she's just kind of like here's my work like i hope you enjoy it i hope you connect to it and she sounds she sounds like she's a very solid center definitely and she's she's a scorpio (laughs) (laughs) all the scorpios for chelsea over here yeah it's just an energy I'm drawn to, you know, even if it's a Scorpio moon like you. (laughs) But she's, she's also just a very spiritual person and just like so authentic. She's always been known for having these weird, quote unquote, weird dance moves, but it's just like her, like reactions to her music and like her feeling it. And I feel so much more able to do that myself with music. Like I don't have to be this like over-sexualized dancer. I can just be like, like free free just like very freeing um she like lifts my spirit so high more than any artist that i've ever loved because there are other artists that i love but i feel like 
Lord just embodies that type of soul that I want to be. Yeah. You know? So cool. What a beautiful expander. Any last words for the Any last words would be um, just I just recommend you uh, be conscious of your time and see where you're putting that time and see where you could better put that time into yourself and just know that 2019 is like this period of realization and actualization of your ideas and dreams. Love it. And just to fucking shake the world, you know, and be the positive light and energy that you want to attract and see in the world, you know? It all starts within yourself. Yes. Yes. What an ending. Kelsey, I'm sure you will be on another episode again. There's literally a million things we could talk about and continue on. We could seriously be here all day. Um, But I think this was a first great episode for you to do. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I love you. Oh, I love you too. (laughs) Oh, give me a hug. That was cute. (laughs) Okay. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Pink Noise podcast. If you would like to find out more about Chelsea, her favorite playlist, contacting her, or resources for bullying and body dysmorphia, please check out the website pinknoisecollective.com. Check out the podcast page under episode 8, Chelsea Gill. Also, you can follow Chelsea or message her on Instagram at lefton.red. It's her photography page, and you can interact with her as she's slowly starting to reacclimate back into social media. I hope you guys have a beautiful weekend ahead, and happy Friday.